Welcome to Birth Ready and Beyond from Mom Through Menopause, a podcast especially for women 35 and up that are simultaneously navigating pregnancy or postpartum changes, families, careers, and more. There's just so much that goes unsaid or just dismissed when it comes to our health journey. So we're going to change that. We're going to get real, vulnerable, and provide support, guidance, and inspiration. You will learn from myself and experts on all things pelvic and core health, sexual health, mental health, hormone health, fitness, and more. Empowering you to live your best life and feel amazing. Let's learn, heal, and thrive together. Well, welcome, Jennifer. I am so glad to be interviewing you and meeting you. Um, Can you give me a little bit about your background and what your uh, profession is? Sure. So um, I am, I have a PhD in counseling psychology and I have a private practice here in Chicago um, in which I work with couples both locally and around the country um, around sex and relationship issues in long-term relationships. I also do quite a bit of work with women around their self and sexual development, mm-hmm. um, which is highly related to their ability to be happy in an intimate partnership. So I do a lot of teaching on the topics of intimacy and sexuality, both online and around the country during workshops. And then I do a lot of uh, coaching um, couples on these topics. So. Awesome. We need you. (laughs) Um, As a pelvic health specialist, I see that need so greatly with my patients. Uh, So what I brought you on today to talk about is the fact that I see lots of people that are dealing with uh, issues like pelvic pain. Maybe they had an injury that makes sex uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely seem to be voicing this issue with feeling really awkward about communicating with their partner mm-hmm. um, and also being put in a position to think that they have to fix everything themselves mm-hmm. and then come back and have this amazing sex life again. Mm-hmm. Um, and right. it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I work particularly with a population that is um, more religiously conservative and have grown up with a lot of ideas about men, women, and sex that contribute to what you're talking about. But it's also in the general population in sort of Western puritanical culture is this idea that, how to say it, that sexuality primarily belongs to men Mm-hmm. And women are there to be the sexual gratifiers and accommodators of men. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's underlying the difficulty for a lot of women in talking about pelvic floor pain or painful intercourse is that they feel like they're failing at their job. That yeah. they have a job which is to gratify and satisfy their partner sexually. Mm-hmm. And that they also have a job to kind of take care of his ego and to make him feel successful sexually or to make him feel that he's desirable sexually. And so they can take the reality of their pain as both an indication that somehow they're defective, somehow sexually defective, that something's wrong with them. Um, And then maybe also that they're going to puncture their partner and his feelings if they bring this up. And so oftentimes there's this, 
kind of collusion in the couple to not to, to almost go silent about it, not really address it, not really deal with it, which only makes it more challenging, more difficult to actually handle. Then the woman often has more fear and anxiety, which only contributes to the pain, the pain right? And makes her want sex less, which makes him more anxious because he can track the ambivalence, but maybe is afraid to address it or to know what's actually happening. And so, you know, the, the big problem is not that people don't know how to utter the words. They aren't having communication problems in that sense. The problem is they're having a hard time partnering to deal with the challenge that they have and working like their teammates or like they are friends in addressing what's happening. That is so good. Um, you pretty much described my first uh, several years of my marriage because that's my background and I've talked about that before. Um, yeah, the yeah, you go, you kind of dive <laughs> right in. Um, that fear of feeling broken is really common. Yes. Um, I found shame is a really big problem for women when it comes to pelvic health issues. Yeah. And it really, I feel like, seems to be a huge driver in stopping the conversation for them yes. or yes. moving forward in some positive way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's the shame, like I just talked about, which is that somehow the one thing I'm supposed to, you know, be able to offer and give, I don't mean the one thing, but often what I think women think is a very important thing. I'm failing at it. There's something wrong with my body. I don't feel much pleasure in sex or I don't seem to want it. So that makes me feel even worse because seldom do we want things that cause us pain. <laughs> okay. Right. Um, but I think that um, there can be this added shame because there's been, for many women, a deep ambivalence about their sexuality to start out with. So it's not just, I feel like I'm failing in my relationship, but I'm not even good friends with my vulva, vulva or pelvic floor area. I'm not comfortable with this part of my body. And so I already was rejecting it. Now it seems to be malfunctioning in a sense. And so there's even more difficulty of being able to sort out what's going on, to get the help you might need, to be able to have some conversations, and to navigate some solutions because there's this ambivalence that's more about your relationship to your own body. Wow. Just to, the, to your partner. That's really important to acknowledge. Um, what would you say, someone that you just, say someone's listening to this and you literally just described them and they're having this aha pit in their stomach, you know, mm. oh my gosh, she's talking to me. Mm. Um, where would you recommend that person start out with trying to move forward from this place? Well, I think, you know, at first, you can't change what you can't see. So it's a really big thing to start to see, okay, I'm doing these things. I am very ambivalent about my own body. Mm -hmm. um, and being able to see it allows you to start teasing it out and to understand how did I come to be so ambivalent about my own body. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, I, I teach a lot of workshops and so on, and I, I start out showing people what they were taught. And they, they know it on some level, but when I articulate what they were taught, it's like it hits them like a ton of bricks. Like 
this is the crappy messaging I've gotten my whole life. Like, no wonder I'm rejecting my sexuality. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just you're swimming in it, you can't see it. And so it's not until somebody helps to articulate what, um, what you have internalized that you can see that how wrong it is. So I, I, I'm trying to think, you know, I, I teach a course called The Art of Desire, which I think really mm -hmm. is valuable for helping people to, to see the Perfect. messages that they've gotten. There are other books out there, and I'm trying to think of some titles. Um, there's one, I can't think of the author right now, called Damaged Goods. It's more addressing um, people who've grown up in religious contexts, understanding the way they learned about their sexuality and how they've internalized those messages. Okay. Um, oh, my goodness. I just don't, I don't have titles readily available right now. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, I, I may think of another one. It may come to me in just a minute. There are just a lot of good books, and if I think some more, we can maybe link to them. Um, mm, totally I, will. Yeah, but there's just some books that help you start to see I've learned to re self-reject. And, um, and I think that's really important for women beyond their sexuality, beyond whatever sexual pleasure they get, which I'm not minimizing at all. It's a very important part of mm -hmm. a good life. Mm -hmm. But it's about their peace within their own bodies. And the fact that that gets undermined for so many women it's a way of undermining women's strength is to undermine their relationship to themselves, to their bodies, to their sexuality. And many of us from a very young age have learned that our, our bodies are dangerous, <laughs> that they will bring us down, that they will turn us into bad women, that they will make us undesirable if we indulge our sexuality too much, um, that we're not supposed to have desire and pleasure. Men should, but we shouldn't. <laughs> and right. And, you know, and I, I think that a lot of times we have to just internalize those ideas much more than we recognize. And then we're unable to set the paradigm in the right position, which is my body is a gift to me, you know, from God, if you're a religious person from the universe, if you're not, but this is a gift to me. And this, my capacity for pleasure, my capacity for sexuality, this all belongs to me and it's mine uh, as a blessing in my own life to give me strength to be a part of my personhood to be a part of my womanhood and I get to decide with whom I share it and how I share it that it, it's not you know a lot of us think that sort of our bodies belong to our spouses <laughs> that yeah. somehow our bodies are theirs for their pleasure and you know nobody would say come right out and say that but it's kind of this implicit idea that many of us carry around. And so in the workshops I do, I'm really challenging women to see that they bought in on some level and to reject that idea. Because until they reject it, they can't step into their own strength, their own um, clarity about themselves to be even capable of an intimate relationship or capable of, of uh, partnering around solving a problem like pelvic pain. Yeah. Or many, any of the many problems people can encounter in oh, yeah. sexual relationships. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's so, it's so good to focus in on pleasure as being a gift and something we were born with. Yes. Um, in my world, if I am helping people with their pain, sometimes in the Western medical world, there's so much exclusive focus on the absence of pain or trying to yeah. resolve the pain. Yeah. We, 
we often forget to focus on pleasure. Yes. Um, and it's very powerful for the nervous system yes. uh, to have the presence of pleasure versus just the absence of pain being our yes. focus. Yes, yes, that's such an excellent idea. I think it's absolutely true. And again, you know, I work with a religious population. There's anxiety about female pleasure, but this again extends to the entire culture. I, you know, it does. It does. There's marriage and family therapy programs out there and there's not a single course on sexuality, right? <laughs> Meaning we're, we're, there's many programs that don't have a single course on sexuality in marriage and family therapy programs. So that is to say there is cultural ambivalence about pleasure. We're happy to talk about reproduction. <laughs> <right>? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, especially female pleasure, we have a much harder time acknowledging when we talk to our own children We'll talk about reproduction around sex, but we have a hard time talking about pleasure. And I'm not entirely sure why we're so afraid of pleasure, but it's such an important part of joy. It's mm -hmm. such an important part of deep partnership. It's such an important part of our strength, mm -hmm. of rejuvenating ourselves. It's so essential. And, you know, clearly pleasure that, you know, takes your life off the rails, you know, indulgence, yeah. I should say. <laughs> of any sort, whether it's drinking too much, eating too much, spending too much, that's going to that's gonna undermine our lives, clearly. But to, to rob our lives of pleasure is to deprive it of any happiness. Yeah. So, and yeah. I would say way more than just sexual pleasure, but pleasure in yeah. general. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Um, I think, well, I would say on the Western medicine front, um, most are educated and they skip over the anatomy of the pelvis mm, and the pelvic floor. Uh, in general physical therapy school, that area is often skipped and mm. it's treated like, oh, that's an extra little thing you can mm. learn about once you graduate. <laughs> and, and then right. to learn that, uh, yeah, a lot of the medical programs, obstetric programs, midwife programs, they're not learning how to assess the muscles. Mm -hmm. You just skip over that part. Right. Um, right. So much to our disadvantage. Yeah. And I do feel that it's probably deep-seated cultural yes. that we're not acknowledging. We're That's just right. skipping over that That's area. Right. That's right. Um, yes. So if someone – so now we've got that person that we're still focused on, that they've been yeah. having this pain, and they don't even have to be – 25 year old newlywed they can be oh. someone that is in their 40s absolutely 50s that actually has been having pain for quite a number of years and they just yes. thought this was their future yes um, so as you know these people if they've been dealing with the heavy weight of shame and feeling broken for so long they we know they need to start working on addressing their own feelings and the mm -hmm. way they think about their own body. Mm -hmm. um, but what would you give as clues for them to start? Because I see people that are very hesitant to talk about this. Maybe they've done a fantastic job of faking it mm -hmm. with their partner yeah. or just finding excuses not to yeah. be intimate. Right. I, and I think like we're talking about is acknowledging, I mean, first of all, there's a lot of reasons for having pelvic pain, lots of pain, mm -hmm. lots of physiological reasons. And then there can also be psychological reasons that either uh, compound it or, or fundamental to it. But I think that um, it's the, the one big shift is to give yourself a break about this. That is to say, I don't have anything to be ashamed of. I've been having pain and I'm having it for a reason. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's time for me to sort out what the reason is. And it could be there's some psychological components. 
Uh, it could be that it's entirely biological or physiological, but whatever it is, there's a good reason for it. And even the psychological is, you know, in some ways, if you grow up learning that sex is bad or sex is scary or, you know, the kind of rejection of the body, the body knows and the body responds. It keeps body, score. It keeps the score, as Bessel van der Kolk talks about, that, that your body really does know. Um, mm -hmm. And so to sort of trust that your body is in response to the meanings in which you're living. Okay, now there may be mm -hmm. obviously uh, medical reasons that if you go to a doctor, you can get addressed or go to a public floor specialist, you can get addressed and help you, but there are reasons. And so I think that's a very important part. And then having the courage to reject the message that this is bad or scary or there's something wrong with you and instead start educating yourself, whether it's around, and, and again, I can't come up with all the books right now, but I can be yeah. to some, but totally. there's some good books out there where you can just start better understanding your sexuality, um, better understanding your anatomy, better understanding pelvic floor pain, um, better understanding what it is that you desire around sexuality, what it is that you are wanting to have, better, other ways to have pleasure that don't involve intercourse or penetration, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot you can do by saying, look, I reject this idea that there's something just fundamentally wrong with me. I'm mean, going to have the courage to reject that, and I'm going to start getting curious about what's going on with me and start getting educated because then I'm going to have more ability to address what's there and address it in my own life and address it with my partner and to see like can we as a couple because any couple that's going to create a good sexual relationship it's a it's a team sport you're going to yeah. work together <laughs> to make something work well and it's not just about hiding reality from your spouse until you somehow get yourself fixed mm -hmm. but it's like how do we work together and i'm often talking to couples about don't go ahead of where your partner can be with you and mm -hmm. to stay together uh, and don't just push through pain and things like that. You stay collaborative in um, working together as a team to create more uh, capacity for pleasure as a couple mm -hmm. and to work around the issues of pain. Uh, but you see it as something that you partner with one another. And those are the couples that really succeed at this. I mean, yeah. obviously women can make great strides with their own relationship to themselves mm -hmm. um, as they when they have the courage to do that but to have a really good partnership it's always about two people operating together more collaboratively mm -hmm. I so agree um, yeah with the body keeping score I found that to be the case and there's been some studies that showed they would measure the muscles of the body women would be shown a scary or violent film clip and the mm -hmm. first muscle group to contract would be the pulse yeah, yes. it's so self-protected. It makes perfect yeah. sense, right? Yeah, and I would say um, 75 to 80% of my patient load, whether they have pain or bladder leakage issues, most are actually in the overtight category. Interesting. So, yeah. You know, I have a client who, whose mother was extremely shaming of her sexuality all the years growing up. Then she ended up distancing somewhat from this mother, ended up marrying a really good man, but had vaginismus and could not, could not achieve intercourse because it was too painful. She started going to a, a pelvic floor physical therapist, started doing lots of work psychologically and working with me, but was doing lots of work with his pelvic floor specialist. Okay. And it was very interesting because as she started relaxing the muscles of her vagina and started being more able to tolerate penetration, mm -hmm. 
what would come into her mind, meaning she was, there were cones and things that were stretching the muscles. Yeah. As her body would relax, the word slut would come into her mind. Oh my gosh. Wow. And it's like her body, you see the mind body connection is so. Cannot be ignored. Yeah. It can't be ignored. And so even as her body was shifting, it's like it would trigger a meaning in her mind that, you know, she was then able to work with and she's made progress. But it's, but still, it's remarkable how much the body does keep the score. Oh, I feel, yeah, I would say that um, ignorance keeps shame alive. Yeah. What you were saying about starting down the path of educating oneself, I think is huge. Because as soon as you start to, the more you learn about pelvic pain and pain with intimacy, the more you realize, yeah, there's a legitimate... Right. issue here. Yeah. For me, right. I was, I was in my young twenties, completely yeah. ignorant to this. And within our culture, um, I think why these issues, they go on for so long is because there's no appropriate social circle or time right. to bring this issue. Right. Up. You right. wouldn't be, you know, at a family gathering and go, no. Hey, so how's Any everybody? You want- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think that's what just maintains the problem for so many years for so many women. Absolutely. But even just by listening to this interview, I I think it's really helpful if someone is just finding this and realizing, Oh, okay. There's some things I can work on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some personal work to work on for us women to acknowledge that we are not dirty you're, yes. you're entitled to be and have pleasure and then just navigating with our partner as a team. I know, I think, I think I highly recommend couples therapy for anyone going through this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, and learning how you do navigate this because what's also going on for many couples is it's not just the struggles around sex. It's the struggles around intimacy. And what I mean by that is, is oftentimes the sexual challenges they're having are how to say it are kind of an expression of what's going on in the larger relationships. So they have difficulty being honest or straightforward mm-hmm. with one another or really showing up and letting themselves be knowable flaws and all. And yeah. so when they start encountering challenges in their sexual relationship, and this of course can be for men as well, mm-hmm. when men start having erectile dysfunction or you know, different challenges, they can also feel shame. Like I'm supposed yes. to be a sexual machine. I'm supposed to be able to produce orgasms at any time. And, and therefore, then they start avoiding contact and avoiding really dealing with it because it creates so much anxiety in the couple. So yes, couples therapy, couples coaching. Um, I also do online courses for couples. These are, can give people the understanding of where they're struggling to tolerate intimacy, just emotional Mm -hmm. intimacy to allow themselves to be more knowable. And this is a very important part of, of creating a really good sexual relationship. It's not about sexual performance. It's not about Mm -hmm. your body doing the right things. It's about being able to really tolerate being deeply known and deeply knowing another person and being able to really let your sexuality being at peace with it and letting someone else in on it yeah, Um, as well as being in on their sexuality. And that takes some courage and it takes some development as people. And I think a lot of us tend to focus more on the operational aspect of sex in sort of like it's something we're supposed to do Mm -hmm. um, 
but not really use it as a vehicle for forging deeper intimacy in a couple. Truth. Yeah. Um, I love that um, my patients and audience have, if they feel you know, timid and anxious about working with someone that like you that does sex therapy, that if they happen to be um, a part of a religious uh, group, more conservative, that you work with them all the time. Yeah. Very yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's my goal is to, <laughs> to know where people are struggling. Safe. Yeah, exactly. To know where people are struggling and that I, it's normal. I mean, that's what I wish everybody could really know is that they come by their challenges, honestly, meaning that they're, they're having the challenge they're having for a good reason. And instead of feeling ashamed of it, just start sorting out what is the reason? Because there's always things you can do to improve, make things better. Uh, you know, as human beings, we're meant to evolve and develop. We're very good at it if we will have the temerity to face what is going wrong and to, to be willing to take a look at it. So that is great courage. <laughs> yes, it does. Growth takes courage. Yeah, that is so great. So I'm going to put links on my podcast page where you can be found. It sure. also, you didn't mention this when I just realized that you also do like couples retreats. Yes, I do. Yes. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so with these retreats, um, I'm guessing it's not, you know, if we're working with more conservative people, it's not like <laughs> super like. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's not at all. I mean, I, you know, obviously uh, nobody's sharing beyond kind of what I feel comfortable sharing. So I do, uh, I'm doing a retreat in October in Jackson Hole, which is uh, two days of uh, working on the relationship. And then there's three days of working on the sexual relationship. And people are doing assignments and things in private, and yeah. um, but coming to the to the instructional part where I'm really helping people be more able to self-diagnose. Plus, I do a lot of work with people in the room itself to help them see what's mm -hmm. going on between them, helping them understand their role. My big goal with people is helping people see themselves and their role in their challenges because mm -hmm. that's the part you have control over. You, you know, you want to see who your spouse is too, because you need to see them clearly enough to see how you're co-constructing some of the challenges that you may have. But a big goal of my work with couples is to help them to see themselves clearly enough that they can start making better decisions to create what they want in their lives. More self-aware. Yeah, yes, exactly. And for many people and women in particular, the self-rejection piece is a really big piece and it's the, the self-rejection, you know, as we were talking about earlier, this idea of, of stopping this message of self-rejection around their sexuality and their selfhood and their desires. But that's often easier said than done because I think for many of us, we come out of uh, religious contexts and families that have taught us to self-reject as a function of being good. Yes. of being desirable or a function of being somehow not a threat as a, as a woman or as a man. Mm -hmm. And it's so fundamental that it feels scary to actually step out of the frame of being broken. And I know it sounds weird, like who wants to be broken, but a lot of us find safety almost in that idea. Mm -hmm. We're afraid to actually grow and step into our strength, especially as females. We've been often taught not to do that. Wow. And I, I feel that most of those messages are unspoken somehow. 
Yeah, they're, they're exactly. Nobody well, admits to them. I mean, they're in a sense, they're not, they're spoken all the time. They're all over the place. You but know, it's we, through code. We need to be selfless and that that's so virtuous and you're giving up everything you want and that's a virtue. We, we teach those ideas, but we don't really follow through with what kind of impact that actually has what on does how that somebody mean? lives their life. And so, yeah, so it's on the, in the one hand, unarticulated and the other hand, on the, on the other hand, we're swimming in it so much we can barely get air. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is great. I think this is a really good start for anyone struggling with pelvic pain right now. Um, or maybe they're working on resolving their issues right now. I think it's really, really helpful for them to understand these things. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. This yeah, was, great. It was absolutely my pleasure. And I will put links to how you can find Jennifer um, and work with her in the future and learn about what she is doing whenever you listen to this podcast. Thanks so much. Hey gals, if you like what you heard and want to be a part of the growing Facebook group community, go ahead and look us up under the Birth Ready and Beyond from Mom Through Menopause Facebook name. There we share information, our stories, um, ask questions, and I get to go on live weekly and answer your questions and give you more guidance, inspiration, and information. The one thing I know for sure about us gals is we need community, and that's what this group is all about. See you there.